This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and I'm joined by Katie Balls and James Forsyth. Well, campaigning in the local elections is entering its final few days. James, tell us about where the lie of the land is now. It's long been expected that the Conservatives are going to have a, a, a bad showing. Is, is that now so factored in that the pressure is, is now on Labour to have a good showing? So we are now in the expectations management stage of local elections, which means the Tories try to indicate that for any government in midterm to have one councillor anywhere in the country would be would be a huge success and a sign that they would define the odds, while Labour suggests that the idea that the opposition should gain seats in midterm is just not reflective of the facts, which obviously it is. Now, I think we're going to see quite a mixed picture. So if you talk to Tories about how the local elections are going, the vibe you get back is... Very badly in Scotland, badly in London, not great in the South Waste, which could be relevant given that there's going to be a by-election down there, but actually not that bad in those red wall marginal seats. And so I think it will be a mixed bag of results for the Tories. I suspect that their expectations management has done enough for them to be able to point to some places where they've done all right. And they might avoid the total wipeout in London that people were talking about a while ago. And so I think the results will be sufficiently mixed that they won't change that much. I think within the Conservative Parliamentary Party, what they will do is they will reinforce the divisions that are emerging with MPs where the Lib Dems are in second place becoming more worried about, you know, whether Boris Johnson, you know, is going to cost them their seat or not. And Red Wall MPs, in crude terms, kind of less concerned about that fact. I would just add a very slight caveat to what James is saying, which I think is is what, what most MPs are saying. But you have a situation where I've spoken to a few Tories who, yes, the Tory party does expect to be, do better in these red wall seats. But one of the things that's making them a little bit nervous is when they're having these, you know, reach out sessions and Boris Johnson's more supportive MPs are coming in and saying things are okay on the ground, particularly in these areas. A lot of these MPs are quite new. They haven't been in Parliament very long and they don't have the level of experience perhaps those in uh, more traditional Tory seats have. So that I just sense a slight concern that maybe they knock on a few positive doors and they read it a bit differently than someone who has been campaigning for, for a long time. So it's just one note of caution I heard from someone, which is still they, they expect that to be the area they do better, but there's, there's a, a, a little bit of a worry that some of the intel might be coming from a different place. Reminds me of the, the hashtag Labour doorstep that you uh, often see uh, at the weekend where it turns out that, that everyone always agrees with the campaigners, uh, even when Labour then ends up uh, doing catastrophically badly. I don't think that the hashtag Tory doorstep is, is, is quite as popular on social media for, for some reason. Uh, Katie, uh, another part of this dynamic in the run up to polling day is something, well, is a gate, another gate. This one is beer gate. Just tell us what the latest developments in did Sir Keir Starmer break lockdown rules or not? Yes, so Keir Starmer saying no, and the police, the Durham police, who previously investigated this and said that they did not find a real break, um, have so far not changed their position. But it is interesting because I think 
even up to about three weeks ago, it was quite clear that Keir Starmer wanted to go into the local elections, obviously officially talking about cost of living, but going really hard on Partygate, particularly after Boris Johnson received that fixed penalty notice along with Rishi Sunak. And you can see that in the chamber in their various attacks. So uh, I think we're in a strange state of affairs where currently Keir Starmer is going out to do his, you know, local elections media, trying to get the vote out um, for Thursday. And he is being asked about potential COVID breaches of his own. Now, this all goes back to an event last year in April where he was pitched with a bottle of beer in Durham. And at the time, I think there was an effort by various Tory MPs to say, look, this is bad. Boris Johnson has lots of party gate questions whether it's you know the alleged party in the flat the infamous bring your own booze party with the trestle tables in the garden and therefore I think the first time this came around it really got very little traction and most people said you know having a beer at work in between meetings is is not comparable to the things that are being alleged that Boris Johnson has done the reason this is now I think making more of an impact is because if you look at the specific event Boris Johnson has been fined for that is the birthday cake event so that's birthday cake in Downing Street between meetings and I think most people would say that of the various things Boris Johnson was accused at in terms of rule breaches it's, it's on the least egregious end of the spectrum and we're now in a situation where new details, and this is one of the things not helping Keir Starmer. So, for example, the fact that Angela Rayner wasn't there, but they now had to admit she was there. Um, the Daily Mail have obviously, uh, they're really going in on this story, and we hear of a curry order, but actually, maybe Keir Starmer could have got his own food at a hotel, so did he need to get curry? That slightly goes against the guidelines. And listeners are welcome to get in touch and disagree. I think a lot of people hear about having this beer and don't think it's the crime of the century but the problem for Keir Starmer is they've gone so hard on this birthday cake situation particularly Rishi Sunak too it hasn't just been Boris Johnson they've been suggesting needs to consider his position that in a way the the various excuses we've heard from Boris Johnson the ones we're almost now hearing for Keir Starmer and Keir Starmer doesn't appear to be taking it very well so this morning he's on the Today program he was incredibly defensive over a simple question which is have the police been in touch you know since Tory MPs have been calling for this to be reopened and he wouldn't get into it and therefore it is becoming a problem for Keir Starmer not so much because he's about to get a fixed penalty notice that still seems very unlikely given uh, the police are not reinvestigating but just in the sense that it is occupying all the space when they should be getting other messages out all potentially attacking the Tories for this and it's making it much harder for them to do so. Now James, Boris Johnson has become the first foreign leader to address the Ukrainian parliament. He gave a remote speech by video link today where he said that uh, the way in which Ukrainian forces had resisted the Russian invasion was the country's finest hour. Tell us a little bit more about that speech. So it was a speech essentially pledging more British military aid, expressing his admiration for the, for the courage and bravery with which the Ukrainians have fought. I think it was also a, a, another demonstration of how close the relations between Britain and Ukraine have been during this crisis. And a sense that, you know, of all Ukraine's allies, Britain, you know, Britain was perhaps the first to move in terms of sending lethal aid and has been kind of constantly pushing for NATO to do more on the military side and for the G7 to do more on the sanctions side. So I think it was a sign of that. I mean, there is an interesting question here about what happens in the coming fortnight 
in the war because we are seeing this this expanded set of NATO weaponry going into the country. I think there have been 14 military flights from the US alone in the last few days. And, you know, if you look at the history of this conflict, the Russian offensive in the Donbass, you know, in the east, you would expect the Ukrainians to try and push back in, in, in about the next two to two and a half weeks. I mean, that will be a, a very, very significant moment in the progress of this war, because if, if the Ukrainians can successfully push back there using this new weaponry, then I think it becomes increasingly hard to see where Russia's endgame in this conflict is. And Katie, just talk a little bit about uh, what Boris Johnson said about the uh, UK's response in terms of refugees and so on. So Boris Johnson gave an interview to GMB, which I think is the first time in over a year, if I'm correct. And if you think back to the various manifestations of um, number 10, when Boris Johnson won that majority of 80, you saw all these bans come into place and most of them have eased as new director of communications have come in. But I think there has been a reluctance for Boris Johnson to appear. Now Piers Morgan is now gone, but it was Susanna Reid. And on Ukraine, he, he said that he accepted there was perhaps a need to go faster when it came to Ukrainian refugees, but he also emphasised the fact that you had to have security and you had to have checks, so it was people who really had genuine reasons for coming here who needed that. Um, but I also think it was an interesting interview in terms of cost of living, because one of the things Boris Johnson was confronted with uh, was the story of a, a pensioner who um, said she is just riding on the bus throughout the day because she can't afford to heat her own home. And that is now leading various news websites. And it just, I think, shows you how, obviously, we've been talking about parties as one element, but in terms of cost of living, the government's now in a tricky position where there are going to be lots of stories like this when it comes to people who are, who are really finding it very difficult. And Boris Johnson previously has said the government needs to do more on cost of living. That is still his position. But it was interesting that when he was being pressed on doing more for the most vulnerable, he was talking about the fact that the risk of doing this is that you feel inflation. And I think it's probably one of the first times Boris Johnson has actually gone into a bit more detail rather than I think we've often seen this um, discrepancy where Rishi Sunak and the Treasury will have this line saying you know we can't do everything we can't completely fix cost of living and Boris Johnson will sound much more optimistic and it felt to me a bit more moving towards that viewpoint than previous interviews. And finally, James, a lot of people in Westminster have been very, very interested in uh, the big debate going on in the States, which follows the leak that the Supreme Court may be about to overturn uh, the Roe v. Wade judgment, the historic ruling on abortion in the United States. Uh, just tell us a little bit more about that. So, first of all, it, it is unprecedented for a Supreme Court decision to be leaked in this way as it is being decided. If Roe versus Wade was overturned, the issue of abortion would return to, to, to the individual states. So, for example, New York would have one law, Alabama would have another law. And this obviously would create discrepancies and uh, would particularly affect people who didn't have the wherewithal to travel out of their own state to another state which had a, a more uh, liberal regime on abortion. I think one thing I would just say, having lived in the States for four years... There is a danger in Westminster you can misunderstand the political impact of this. I suspect in some ways, in crude political terms, this could actually end up helping the Democrats for two reasons. First of all, I think it will motivate their base to come out and vote, whatever their issues with the Biden presidency are. And then I think the second thing challenge it poses to Republicans is what 
position do they actually support in individual states? And I think the danger for the Republican Party is that in a Republican presidential primary in 2024, they would be pushed by the dynamics of that, of that primary race to support the most hardline legislation in any state going. And that that is something that could alienate the kind of the middle of American politics. And I also think it's always worth remembering that there is a political risk for the Republicans in this thing that they have long said that they kind of ultimately wish to achieve of overturning Roe versus Wade, you know, does carry with it big risk to the Republican Party about alienating voters in the middle uh, who are uncomfortable with, and you just need to look at the, the Texas abortion law, for example, you know, which and the effect that that has politically could end up not being helpful at all to the Republicans. Thank you, James. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening.